Hello, welcome to Dual Senses, the PlayStation podcast where we give our two cents on all things PlayStation. I am Stephen Morrow, and I am here with Alex Wolf. And yeah, this is what nineteen? I think so. I've honestly, I haven't kept track of numbers because, like, I just don't think of numbers in episodes of podcasts unless, like, the only way I title it because I don't get creative titles and whatnot. You know, I just do yeah. episode one, episode two. So, but we haven't really been doing that, so I can't. I want to. Mm. I think it's nineteen. I think so. That sounds about right. Once, once our podcast hits twenty-one, then we can stop caring about the numbers because that's what happens with people, right? Like once we hit twenty-one, we stop caring about how old we are. I don't know. Taylor Swift made twenty-two very appealing. Well, I'm beyond that, though. I mean, yeah, we are, but like the podcast isn't. That's true. So it was twenty-three for two years. What? I was 23 for two years. What do you mean you were 23 for two years? I forgot that I had a birthday. <laughs> Holy shit. So for two years, I told people I was 23. I skipped year 24 completely. Now I still don't know how old I am. Jesus Christ. You turned 28 this year. This year? Yes. How do you know that, but I don't? Because I know my age, and I know how old you are. <laughs> I was I was at work the other day, and someone asked how old I was, and I was like, I, I stopped. <laughs> I stopped in my tracks, and I'm like, hold on. I was born 1993, and I was like trying to do math and stuff, and I was like, 26? 20? And I then I asked them, I'm like, how old am I? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that happens. a mess. I mean, our old manager at GameStop, same instance. I think I was there, it was me and him and a customer. The customer just asked because we were just in conversation. Mm-hmm. He goes, how old are you? And he stops and he goes, hold on. And I'm like, <laughs> and I was confused. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just answer the question. He goes, hold on one second. I'm like, do you not know how old you are? And he goes, hold on, give me a minute. <laughs> I'm like, he pulls out his driver's license and looks at it and goes, yeah, I'm 28, I'm 28. <laughs> Just wanted to be sure. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, it's hard to keep track of this shit. There's so much stuff we gotta keep track of. Like, release dates for Ratchet and Clank. Which is... It's June. June 17th? 16th? June 6th, I believe. I don't think Sixth? it's 16th. Why are you all of a sudden just <laughs> pointing out Ratchet and Clank? <laughs> I don't know. I can't keep track of anything, really. That's the moral of the story. That's fair. Um... But yeah, I have I have no control, no control whatsoever. That's that sounds like you, except for this game Control uh, that I've been playing, uh, which I thought I was gonna beat this literally two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think I told you I'm like I'm gonna beat this game today. You did, and then I hit a boss named El Salvador, and all I can say is fuck El Salvador. <laughs> I hate that. Thing. He, I don't. He's not a man. He's not a woman. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck he is. <laughs> but fuck El Salvador. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching you play this game, and part of me is like, yeah, okay, the game stutters, and it definitely causes some offbeat moments where you're just like, oh fuck, like you're, you know, let well, to the game's devices. What you've seen has been on the PS5 though, and it, it runs pretty well on the PS5. And, and even then, it saw some questionable moments. But at the same, it's the PS4 version on the PS5, to clarify for those listening. Um, but at the same time, though, I'm also watching Steven, like, completely miss his shots. 
but he's using a gun that scatters. <laughs> and literally aiming at like a good portion of the screen where I'm watching it blatantly just hit a wall and not the enemy. <laughs> no, literally though, like everything about this game I like I suck at. And I feel like the game is working against me. Like I'll uh, I'll go to aim and instead of just like you move the right stick to aim, just like in everything else. And uh, instead of it just, like, being a consistent speed, it gradually accelerates. So it's hard to, like, hone in on where you want to aim, especially if you're running around and trying to do things real fast. It's a mess. It's a whole mess. Is there an aim assist option? Uh, probably. I'm told that there's a lot of things in the accessibility menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm probably going to activate a lot of them before I end up actually beating the game. But, uh... I don't know. I'm I'm just like I'm frustrated to the point where now I don't want the game to win. I want to beat the game, and I want to do it, it without having to alter anything. But it's pissing me off. So, a question to you is: No, it's how not much, worth it. No, how, with this game being as frustrating as it has been, yeah. And you, the initial intention when playing this game was to go for the platinum. Yeah. Will you still do that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. It's going to be my 93rd Platinum. All right. See, this is where you and I differ. Where if I was playing this game and I had such a hard time with it and I just wasn't enjoying it, I'd beat it just because I'm like, you know, I've put in this time, I might as well finish it up. But fuck the Platinum. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't have any real reason to do so. But, like, with Control, the thing is, the Platinum is basically you beat the game, and then the only thing that's kind of grindy is there's... Like these board countermeasures, mm-hmm. which are basically like, like little mini like side objectives, like kill this number of enemies in this section of the game, or use this weapon to kill a certain number of enemies with headshots, like stuff like that. Uh, and you only have to do twenty five of them, and I'm pretty sure I've already done like more than half of what I need. Mm-hmm. So basically, you just beat the game, and you basically have the platinum. See, even then, I wouldn't... For me, like, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was the same instance. That game is not a terribly difficult platinum by any means. And I did beat it. But I was not engrossed, nor was I a huge fan of the game itself. um, To where I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to bother going for this because I didn't have fun playing it. Even though it wouldn't take me much to platinum it, I have no motivation or real reason to go back and do it. So... I feel like I'm almost more motivated to platinum it because of how much I despise this game. Well, damn. Like, there are games that I absolutely love that I still don't have all the trophies in, and it's because I get engrossed in the game itself. Mm-hmm. But this experience has <laughs> turned into this, like... I don't know. I, I have a vendetta, and I need, I need to get my revenge, and that is to best the game, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that makes sense. That's fair. But still, I, I know that this is sort of like an, an ongoing thing for the last handful of episodes, but um, I still have yet to see really what all the hype is for this game. I still think it's a solid, mediocre experience. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it depends on the console you play on. I think, again, the big audience for this game, I want to say, is probably on PC. And the game, just looking into it, has had a is optimization issues were a complaint for the game whereas on some consoles or different version of consoles or on PC the experiences were widely different and so well while it wasn't like cyberpunk-esque where optimization was a problem mm-hmm. 
where Cyberpunk on consoles in general just did not run well, period, and it was just vastly superior on PC, this game is all over the place. Whereas, it sure, it does this well on PlayStation 4, but it doesn't do that well on Xbox One, whereas Xbox One has one aspect that does it well, whereas PS4 doesn't, this, that, and the other. So it, it's all scattered towards, like, what the hell are they doing? The yeah. only version that really has a solid ground on anything is the PC version. So I feel like a lot of people who say that this game is pretty amazing, though, have played it on console. And so, honestly, I just feel like people need better standards. <laughs> Could people, be. People need to stop being okay with garbage. So, yeah, I've been playing Control a lot, and I'm going to play a lot more. <laughs> but you've been playing Persona 4 Golden I have. on the Vita. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how far would you guesstimate that you are into that? I think... I'm close, just based off of how Persona 5 was structured. Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting close to the end, uh, which, in that standard, is probably another 25 hours or so, because the end game in Persona 5 was pretty lengthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it's definitely ramping up. Uh, this is certainly the most time I've ever put into my Vita, ever. Ever? Ever. Oh, I, my God. I, I've owned a Vita since launch. I've had multiple iterations of Vita. I had the original launch version. I've had... Uh, the when they released the white one, I got the white one, and then when they released the the slim model, I owned that. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time, like I play it, but there just wasn't too many. It, I think I always prioritize another game I had, and I have this thing with handheld consoles, where I like playing them on the go. I will play them at someone's house. I'll play them in the car. Uh, as an adult, that is not necessarily my leisure because I'm typically the one driving. And if I go to someone's <laughs> house, I'm usually engrossed in conversation with people around me. Yeah. So, same thing with my Switch. The Switch, I love, right? But I would use it more as a handheld console. I don't do a lot of handheld things, or do I have the time to do that. If I'm sitting down and I'm at home, I'm probably preferring to play on the television. Yeah, I feel like the most time that you spend playing Persona 4 on the Vita, though, is like when I'm over and I'm hogging the PlayStation 5. Yeah, like if you're... Like, <laughs> well, I think now for me, the reason I'm playing it more so is I've made it a point to play it more so. More so. Like, I want to play Persona 4. I'm like, what do I want to play? I'm like, oh, I want to play Persona 4. You want to hang out with Chie and the gang. Yeah, I'm like, oh, right, let's hang out with, you know, Yosuke and the boys and whatnot and get this going. Yosuke and the boys, Chie and the gang. That's those sound like bands. <laughs> Yosuke and the boys. Yosuke and the boys. Um, <laughs> I bet their music is awesome. They perform a song in the game. That's a thing. They make a song. Oh, what's their band name? Uh, they don't. It's not a band name. So I mean, it's more like uh, Rise, the idol in the game. Oh, they, she does they, a performance okay. and she needs backup because she won't do pre-recorded tracks. So she wants a band to play the music. So it's really just her performing, but we're in the band. So, more like, typical pop star stuff, you know? It's gotta be Yosuke and the boys. Yosuke and the boys. I even mean, though Yosuke's not even front and center. Not at all. <laughs> what, what if Yosuke's just not even in it? <laughs> Still just called Yosuke, Yosuke and the boys. boys. <laughs> so, um, so it, I've been playing that more so just because it's like, I really enjoy Persona. So I'm like, let's mm-hmm. put a time into this. And I think that's also another big reason for the Vita is like, a ga- games on the Vita, nothing's really sunk its teeth into me. Like, I've tried, I think I've started... Uncharted Golden Abyss five times. I get further each time, but then I stop for like two years. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? I don't know what's happening. And I start over. And then uh, another game I think, outside of that, the only two other games I think if I put time into were Muramasa Rebirth, 
um, which was fun. Didn't get super far into it, but I enjoyed it. And uh, Killzone Mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And I really want to play Killzone because it was like, this is the first time I could play a handheld game with two analog sticks and a first-person shooter. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it ran smoothly, and then I and stopped that's actually playing. a really good game, too. Yeah, it is. Like, it's pretty solid. That's pretty good. But the servers are down now, so yeah, can't get that platinum trophy. Well. Which I probably wouldn't go for in a game like Killzone anyway. Because... Yeah, so I have this problem where, like, you know how on PSN profiles on the trophy advisor it'll tell you, like, what the next easiest trophies to get are? Yeah. Uh, Killzone 3 is on my list. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, right at the top. I just have to beat the tutorial level. But I haven't even played Killzone 3. That's because somebody got on my account, and I think I know who that somebody is. Mm -hmm. And they played Killzone 3 online on my account. So it, like basically added the trophies to my list i think they got a multiplayer trophy but now it's trying to get me to play the campaign and i have no way to play killzone 3 so like don't you still own your ps3 yeah but i don't have killzone 3 i'm not gonna get killzone 3 (laughs) plus like i'm not gonna trophy hunt for a game where i can't get all the trophies anymore that's true like, it's just now, it's just going to forever haunt me. You, I mean, you could lead it off your PlayStation trophy list on your actual PlayStation. I can't. Oh, because there's at least I have, one. I have a trophy, okay. yeah. Who do you think this person is? I think this person was none other. Because it could be two. The Ninja Man. So, could it be him? I think it or was. Or could it be your brother? I think it was Ninja Man. And the reason why is because my brother has always had access to his own thing like why would he get on my account well, so ninja man yeah but he had remember that phase where he was trying to get other people trophies on their accounts and he would just do it i think it was that time the only, the only time he did that though because we didn't do it very long that was we did it for fallout and bioshock fallout bioshock and, and call of kill duty. zone call of duty and call of duty and kill zone though i don't remember kill zone i remember kill zone hmm. either way yeah it's haunting me hmm but anyways, how would you say that Persona 4 compares to Persona 5? I, I prefer 5, and okay. simply because uh, 4's got this, you know, happy time murders kind of deal, <laughs> where it's an extremely happy and cheery environment and game, but you're trying to solve a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's fun, I enjoy the characters, but and it, but it's the game also takes place in a small town, so it's trying to be very, there's no edge to it. Whereas my biggest thing about Persona 5 is, like, that game is sleek, and it's confident as hell as to what it is and what it's doing. You think it, Persona 5 is edgy? Yes. <laughs> like, that game is oozes what it... Oozes it, edge? It, it seriously... Can edge ooze? Would that take away the edge from from whatever it is? Nah, because you put jelly on a knife, it's still sharp. <laughs> yeah, but it's... I don't know if I would call a, a jelly-covered knife edgy. <laughs> I mean, it's not edgy, but it could still cut you. So that, there's... But any loser, <laughs> the point being is, like, I, perser- I prefer 5, and I enjoy the characters in 5, I enjoy what happens in 5. Uh, 4 is great, um, but I'm not as involved with it as I am in 5. Mm-hmm. So. Well, okay. Do you think that would have changed if you would have approached them in a different order? No. If anything, I feel like because of 5, I can enjoy 4 more, knowing what the kind of game it is. If I had played 4 to begin with, I would have been... I imagine myself pretty bored and uninterested. See, I I got into a situation where I just kept getting overwhelmed. 
and that's why I didn't finish Persona 4. So, and that's, and that's another thing. So that's also a big benefit of having 5 being played because I enjoyed that so much uh, and knowing that the Persona games very much pride themselves, and I don't know if this started with 4 or 3, um, on that New Game Plus feature because of... It, there's no way you can... Unless there's like some magical strategy you can do where you can max everything out in the first playthrough because certain characters hang out with them require you have a certain uh, social dynamic meter thing built up mm-hmm. and that takes time and you can't do that unless you are gonna avoid hanging out with certain people so you have to be able to maximize that first so typically how I see it the best way to do it is maximize your little social cue things uh I can't remember what they're called, but like your knowledge, your social courage, links. all that stuff. Your social links are what you actually oh. hang out when you hang out with people. Okay. But in order to get certain social links, you have to max out that other meter first. So that first playthrough, you should probably spend more time maxing out your knowledge, your understanding, and things of that nature. And then in your new game plus run through, that carries over. So now there's nothing stopping you from hanging out with these people other than who you decide you want to hang out with first. So it's a lot like real life in the sense that you have to live a life first and then die and then you can actually enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm having fun with it. Um, I'm ready for... I'm excited to play it with New Game Plus so I can explore more of the game and see more things that happen. But... Yeah. Right. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Thank you. It's been hailed as the Vita's greatest game for a hot second. So... So there's that. I mean, probably since its launch, because I don't think... I mean, even now, most people just play it. Just be most people own a Vita just to play Persona Four because for a long time it was the only way you could. And now it's on Steam. Yeah, <laughs> now it's on Steam, so it's like, oh, well, fuck you. There's still worthwhile games on the Vita. Oh, there, there certainly are. But, anyways, so, uh, conveniently, right after we recorded the previous episode, mm-hmm. a bunch of news dropped, which happens actually quite a bit. Um. I think. Sorry, the cat is... Like, what is he doing? He was attacking me, and then my backpack, and now there's an invisible force. Mm. But, uh, anyway, so after we recorded, literally the next day, there were uh, a bunch of things announced. Yeah, the PlayStation had their return with the PSVR Spotlight. Yeah, which is interesting because... Uh, about what what was it like two weeks ago they announced the VR two or whatever the PS PS VR two that they were working the next generation edition the next generation iteration <laughs> of PlayStation VR generation iteration <laughs> wop, wop, wop. <laughs> so but yeah, yeah so since they announced that uh, kind of prematurely I think uh, where they're like oh also it's not going to be coming out this year we're just kind of saying that we're working on this. Uh, it's it's gonna be a hot minute before that releases, and then for them to come out and be like, "Oh, here's a PlayStation VR Spotlight. Here are uh, six games that are gonna be coming out this year." Mm-hmm. That's like kind of weird, I think, because it's almost like they're it's like mixed messaging where they're like, "Hold off because there's a better headset coming out," but also here's six games that you can play this year mm-hmm. on the PlayStation VR which is also compatible with the PS5, but you need the adapter thing, and it's just like, what are they trying to do? I, I think it was a matter of, it was a catch-22. They were damned if they do, damned if they don't. So, 
for a while now, especially with, like you said, how PSVR currently works on PlayStation 5, it's more of a backwards compatible accessory. And the PlayStation VR conversation's kind of been quiet uh, for a majority of last year um, and kind of tail into 2019 as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a matter of, okay, do we stay quiet and not really say anything about VR until we have this next generation hardware ready? Or do we at least let people know, like, rather prematurely, as you said, let them know, like, hey, no, it's still a thought. It's still something we're passionate about. Because PlayStation has had a history of really pumping something out. And, and then ignoring it. <laughs> and, they, and then once it's out, dropping off. With handheld gaming, 3D was a big thing for them. Like, so they released their own 3D monitor, and it then fell off. Um, so it was a matter of, like, what do we do? And with PlayStation 5 and how VR works, and it's just not been the center of attention, they needed to do something to let people know it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the next-gen hardware, next hardware out now with the PS5, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, let's announce all these PSVR games for PlayStation 4. But then it's like, well, if you own a PS5 and you're waiting to hear something, like, well, what does that mean for PS5 owners? Or is PSVR going to be the standard for the foreseeable future? Mm-hmm. So, like, because <laughs> you're going to shoot yourself in the foot one way or another, so you might as well just say, hey, we are working on a thing. Don't you worry, it's coming. It'll be a few years. In the meantime, here's some new games coming out that will work on your PlayStation 5 if you have the adapter, which is free. So I think they handled it the best way you could, which, while in the grand scheme of things, still weird, but what else could you do? Yeah, I I don't know, though, because like at the same time, I don't think any of the games that they announced are necessarily exciting to anybody who doesn't have a VR. Like... I mean, obviously, because they're VR games, but I don't think any of them are going to sell VR headsets. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I, I just don't see. I don't see the strategy here, if that makes sense. Retention. Uh, like you said, so this is very much only these games are probably only for people that already own a VR headset, right? So, and they know right now their goal isn't to sell more PSVRs. It's just to help the VR market stay alive. So people that own a VR headset don't feel like they've spent $400, $300 or whatever it cost at the time they purchased it just to sit in the dust. It's just weird that they care about that when they have a history of not caring about retaining an audience and for hardware. And that's true. It is <laughs> so weird. It's like, but so is this whole situation, right? I mean, it's yeah. weird that they're trying to retain it, but like at the same time, if they want VR headsets on the, next, on the PS5, people aren't going to buy a PS5 VR headset knowing that play, they didn't give a shit about the VR after a few years. Like, well, you give it two years, you're not going to care about this anymore. Why do we want to spend, chances are, $400, $300 on this headset to play these games when after two years you're going to drop support? That's fair. So, But uh, before we go any further, I think we should jump into the games that they announced. Sure. So during the PlayStation VR Spotlight, uh, they announced six new PlayStation VR games, all of which are to be released in 2021. That's this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they kind of have a little bit of range in, like, what kinds of games they are. I mean, obviously, they're all VR games, but, uh, yeah, we should just, I guess, jump into it. Yeah. Uh, so, first game on the list, um, there was announced that there's going to be a remake of Doom 3 in VR. So this is an entire from-the-ground-up remake of Doom 3, playable in virtual reality, obviously, in first person. 
Um, and it includes the, I guess, two expansions or whatever that were released for the game back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the expansions are Resurrection of Evil and The Lost Mission. Uh, the entire game has been remade from the ground up for PlayStation VR and retooled for PSVR technology. Um, but yeah, with like a different... I mean, it's, it's still VR, so uh, the types of things that you can expect from a VR game at this point. Um, but they specifically mention, uh, and I quote, feel even closer to the terror with all new VR enhancements that allow you to peer around corners, angle your shots with flashlight-mounted weapons using your motion controls. Uh, there's 180-degree quick-turn functionality uh, so that you can catch demons sneaking up from behind, and an immersive wrist-mounted display to track your health, armor, and ammo. Uh, so that's cool, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think this this is probably the biggest game in terms of scale and, you know, going from indie to double AA A to triple A, however you want to call it. Well, it's definitely the most recognizable name yeah. out of the six announcements. It, but it's a big deal, though, because Doom, they had a good um, port of the Doom VFR edition that came out a few years mm-hmm. ago. That did extremely well. And Doom 3 is a fan favorite out of the Doom franchise, so to have it be built from the ground up and work, it, it's hard, it, I think it's easy to imagine this game will perform and do well just knowing that it's easy to retool this game after how well Doom VFR did. Yeah. So, uh, Some things to note, uh, they did say that this is over 15 hours of heart-stopping action, mm-hmm. uh, so that's pretty cool. Also, the fact that they, in the little write-up on the PlayStation blog, they they talk a lot about like it being terrifying or, you know, more of like a horror game, and that's interesting because, I mean, Doom has always had horror elements, uh, you know, because there's like demons and hellspawn and blood and guts and stuff. But um, I've always, whenever I think Doom, I just think fast-paced action. I don't think, oh, I'm terrified. But Doom in VR is probably terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it adds think, like a whole new element. I, I guess. think that comes from especially the newer iterations of Doom, where they're very focused on just brutality and the fast, the fast patient. Fast patient, fast action, uh, fast-paced first-person shooter gameplay. I think the originals, because at the time, you, you know, seeing that stuff was newish. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying for some because you didn't see that stuff in a video game, let alone be realized in any kind of fashion. Now it's kind of like, oh, this big hulking demon thing covered in blood and guts is coming at me. It sounds like your typical everyday shooter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just so, another day yeah, in the life it, of a gamer. Yeah, so it's like whatever. So. But back then, that was very much an iteration and something they focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, moving along, instead of uh, just Doom, they also announced uh, that a game called After the Fall is coming to VR. And this is from the same developers of Arizona Sunshine, uh, which is consistently one of the top-selling VR games for PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Arizona Sunshine, it's sort of a first-person zombie game. Uh, it's like a zombie shooter. Yeah. Uh, it has actually pretty nice graphics for a VR game, uh, but that's about the long and short of it. Uh, but, I mean, it, it got pretty decent reviews. But After the Fall 
is touted as a fast-paced co-op first-person shooter created specifically from the ground up for PlayStation VR. Uh, they released a trailer, but it's just a cinematic trailer. It doesn't necessarily show no gameplay. gameplay. Uh, but, I mean, it still looks fine, yeah. I suppose. Um, I would like to have seen gameplay, though, uh, especially if it's supposed to be coming out this year. It's kind of weird that they aren't showing gameplay yet. Uh, but yeah, it has full cross-platform multiplayer support, so that means that you can play this game with people on other VR yeah, so, devices. Uh, Oculus, Vive... Um, that is pretty cool because yeah. I don't think anyone really thinks about that conversation when thinking about VR just because it is a bit limited and it's harder to do certain things so it's yeah. not a forefront or focus that's probably I think the coolest thing about this is the fact that you have a larger pool of people to play with mm-hmm. and you know if it's a co-op shooter then that's an important thing yeah obviously. I'm trying to find a person to play VR with you co-op is probably harder to find someone to play team deathmatch with you in call of duty <laughs> mm-hmm. so but they did say that during the next couple of weeks they're going to be revealing uh an all-new gameplay trailer so they are going to be releasing gameplay soon mm-hmm. uh, and so that's pretty cool uh you can have ai companions alongside you in the game so it doesn't have to be played with other people uh you can play it with the two playstation move controllers or the playstation vr aim controller uh, but yeah, so this seems like, it, it seems almost like an evolution of Arizona Sunshine, honestly, uh, the way that they're describing it, uh, with the way what, that the gameplay... That aim controller sounds like a very necessary tool going with PSVR, especially with how many shooters are coming about, Yeah, and how hard it was to get it at launch, and how hard it still is to find one. And PlayStation's gotta make a move on that. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended at all, but, like, seriously, because, like, let's put all these first-person shooter games, but the little attachment peripheral thing to help with that, let's just make it scarce as fuck to find. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, also, like, I wonder if there's going to be a new aim controller. Like, I feel feel almost as if Heffalump over there is also wondering whether there's going to be a new aim controller. Uh, But, like... Since there's going to be a new next-generation VR headset, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, we should probably jump into this as well. Uh, another thing that's been floating around the internet is there have been some new patents listed from PlayStation, um, two of which are of note. <laughs> One looks like a, a new kind of reimagined version of the PlayStation Move controllers. There are more inputs on it, mm-hmm. um, and things like the um like haptic triggers and stuff like that that we've seen in the dual sense controller they have more of a form uh, fitting of the what the oculus and vive controllers look like a more appropriately vr capable headset yeah less less dildo more uh like tool <laughs> more of an actual controller because with the the move controllers were again from the playstation move on the ps3 yeah uh they weren't I, would, I wouldn't say they were built with VR or heavy gameplay use with VR in mind. They yeah. just happened to work and were easy to map. Now, with the success of PlayStation VR, they're actually putting their money with their mouth. Is like, all right, hey, VR's a success. We got to get some decent controllers out there. Yeah. However, this other patent that was filed uh, kind of takes that entirely and flips it on its head, where um, they were basically... It, in the patent... Uh, there's this idea of 
taking any object and basically having software uh, similar to facial recognition software but object recognition software where a camera can identify a certain object that you want to be a controller and then that can be the tracking device that's mm -hmm. used as a controller so for example um, in the patent there's uh, and it's been sort of made fun of online uh, but there's sort like of. an image of somebody holding a banana yeah. <laughs> and uh, using a banana as a controller and so the camera can see the banana and then you can use that banana as a gun. And so in the VR headset, it doesn't matter what you're holding it, as long as it seems like you're holding something. And so then the VR headset or the, the camera can track that banana and then you have a gun in your hand instead of a banana. Um, but then another example that was listed in the patent was something like using two oranges and uh, the camera being able to recognize those and you use the oranges as a steering wheel in a racing game. Mm -hmm. So you just hold them out and then you still have that illusion of holding an object because you're holding an object, but you don't have to spend money on some like fancy controller. You just have the motion tracking device. Um, the only thing is that only works as a motion tracking device. It's basically like an identifier. Um, but that line of thinking is an exact, like it's a direct extension of the way that the PlayStation Move controllers were developed back in the day with augmented reality and you know the PlayStation Eye camera, the mm -hmm. Eye toy back in the day. Uh, it's kind of that si same kind of technology. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Well, so I mean, so where we started that was talking about the AIM controller and its availability. Chances are, I mean, they've already stated that this new VR headset's years away. It'll. I, I give it two or three years before we see this new well, headset. Well, they said sure. specifically just not this year. Yeah. They didn't mention anything beyond that. Well, I think it is safe to say that it's going to be a hot second, but all that we know is just not 2021. Well, then at that point, that still brings the question, what do you do now, right? Because they've... Mm -hmm. A handful of these games, there were six total announced. A handful of them are shooters. And there's already a good... Well, two of them Two of them. And there's still a good library, um, especially with Farpoint, which was the originally the only way you could get the AIM controller. Mm -hmm. um, not being free on PlayStation Plus this month. They've got to get something available and, or something to consumers now. Like, okay, yeah, they want to play. It's like, oh, cool, the aim controller. Where do I find one? Well, you can't. Yeah. G luckily, though, don't feel bad because you never could. <laughs> it's not just because it's old. It's because they never did anything. So it's like until they come up with this new hardware, like how hard could it be to manufacture this piece of plastic to hold a controller properly when you're playing a shooter game? That's true, and that's fair. So, uh, But I also think that it's kind of neat. This idea of a software solution that doesn't require somebody to spend money on an, a, a peripheral, Yeah, uh, that's kind of neat. So the idea of, oh, you just have this thing lying around, you, why not use that as a controller? Right. Like, I like that. Um, now, there's just the question of buttons. Um, we would need probably really nice, fancy-ass cameras in order to recognize, like, the movement of fingers mm -hmm. or, like, pressing down on something. Yeah, um, and responsiveness. So I, I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but as far as just having an identifier for just motion tracking purposes, mm -hmm. um, kind of neat. Kind of neat technology that's probably not going to be used in anything. Or ever really come to fruition, because PlayStation has a history of also filing a ton of patents just to file them. Yeah, like the robot companion that watches you play video games. And then never, <laughs> ever really happening. But they just want to make sure if anyone says anything, they get rights to it because they thought of it first. 
Yeah, so I mean, but that's typical that's fine. for yeah. any company. Yeah. I think a lot of people give PlayStation shit for that, but I think oh, there's Nintendo like, and Xbox. Yeah, are, I mean, pretty much where the fuck is that Xbox uh, Hololens at, huh? So yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, it happens. It's a you know making sure you get your dime where you put your work with. What? <laughs> get your dime where you put your work on. Work with. I mean, if they came up with the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a phrase by any means. We're gonna make it one. Uh, Put your dime where you work with. Uh, I mean, so think about it. Like, I mean, if you want, if you come up with this idea, you're like, okay, cool. I have this idea. How do we make it work? No fucking clue. Okay, cool. But at least say you came up with that idea. Yeah. So the other guy doesn't just do it and start making money off of it. Honestly, so. I should start patenting all of my ideas. I'd have a patent a minute. You would. That would definitely be <laughs> a thing. That was a very aggressive opening of that can. Mm-hmm. I hope the microphone picks things up the way that I hear them, because that would be cool. I mean, I don't, well, I don't know. If, looking at the little sound wave. sound bite thing, yeah. I don't know if that's from you were laughing or if that was the can opening. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out when we listen to it. But uh, anyways, let's move on. Uh, there's some more VR games that were announced. Uh, so another one. This one I think is interesting. Okay. Um, Expansive JRPG-inspired MMO, Zenith, mm-hmm. was announced for the PlayStation VR. Uh, honestly, they had me at the headline with this one. I know. I, I'm. Uh, I'm interested. Expansive Japanese role-playing game. The developer MMO. is Ramen VR. Yeah, the developer name is Ramen. <laughs> I'm fucking in. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's there's no wrong can be done here. Uh, but yeah, it's basically just a uh, action role playing game in open world. Uh, the blog post actually they have they have a trailer, uh, but they also have these like little animated gifs and stuff that show the combat mm-hmm. and the the visual style and the way that the combat works oddly reminds me of like if Breath of the Wild were in VR. So looking at it, it reminds me more of how Skyward Sword reacted because Skyward Sword's gameplay, I've been informed with Rachel. Uh, very focused, and how you swung your sword and used your shield shield are very important. That's why the game originally only supported motion con- Yeah, used uh, the controls. Wii Motion Plus back in the day. Yeah, so l- looking at the little Gif Cats, um, or Giffy Cat, how the fuck do you say that? Giffy Cat? Anyway, looking at the fucking <laughs> GIFs. Um, seriously, did you see that? <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. So on, on the blog post, for those GIFs they have showing the gameplay, they you, they created those GIFs using like Giffy Cat. And it's like G-F-Y, cat. So I'm like, is that Jiffy Cat? I don't even know if that's a G. Oh, it is a G. I would imagine so, just because GIF, you know, with the G. Uh, But yeah, looking at it, swinging your controllers is very important. So, And how you swing them plays a huge factor. Well, I think it seems cool. We've had a a lack of MMO games uh, with VR. Uh, I guess the closest... I, I think there's only one MMO game that's in VR right now, and that's Rec Room. On PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, VR chat is pretty popular on console. Or on PC, I mean. Yeah. Uh, but I think Rec Room is the only, like, sort of massively multiplayer thing that you can play in yeah, VR Yeah, that's right not surprising. Again, just like cross-platform gameplay on VR, you just don't think about it because you don't think the VR market, while it's grown substantially, it's still not nearly as big as, you know, at-home console or handhelds. Yeah. So it's like, why create this massive open multiplayer thing when game where players are pretty sparse? Well, I think so. Rec Room was uh, cross-platform. I'm not saying it wasn't. It's just a matter of like 
sure, you do that, but then realistically, how many people are you getting on? So where it's like, is it worth doing this thing when, you know, not a massive audience of people jumping into it? Yeah. So, well, anyway, so back to Zenith. Um, I I think that they're wearing their um, Breath of the Wild influences on their sleeve with this. Uh, specifically with um, not just the visual style, where it's it it has that sort of like almost washed out but like colorful cartoony aesthetic of Breath of the Wild, uh, but they want to give players unparalleled freedom of movement, which means that you can literally climb everything. You do have a stamina meter that you can upgrade, but if you see any wall, any surface, you can climb it. And so you literally, in since it's VR, you're, you can use your hands and literally climb the surface. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, they also have a gliding system with a glider that can be used uh, to fly around everywhere in VR. Um, all of this sounds a lot of fun in VR, honestly. It, it does. And part of me is like, I get this thing with VR games where it's like, that's really cool, it's in VR. I'd rather play that with a fucking controller and just sit down. <laughs> I mean, you can still sit down and play it with a controller in VR. <laughs> See, that's what I would rather just that like be a just a you know vanilla ass video game. I, well, I feel I get, like that's the but, thing though. I think that this game would not be special if it weren't in VR. And that's true. It may not be this gang thing, this gangbusters thing where it gets a lot of attention, um, especially coming from a smaller developer. But at the same time, if I, you were to show me this, not tell me anything like that, looks like a game I could play because I like those video game comfort foods. But yeah, all the but, same, it. In VR is extremely impressive. I think that I'm the, excited to see what it does. The climbing and the gliding and everything, uh, I, I bet that's exhilarating in VR. Oh, for sure. Uh, like the tiring. The sense <laughs> of um, like whenever I'm really high up in a VR game, my mm-hmm. stomach kind of churns in a way. But like, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it just feels a little bit more real. And add, add being able to climb up a tower and literally jump off and glide. That sounds fun. To me. Uh, but yeah, and I really like... I like online... Th- I mean, in the last episode, we were talking about PlayStation Home, for crying out loud. Uh, I like those kinds of online social experiences, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's easier to have a more heightened social experience in a VR game. That was my experience with Rec Room. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was with a bunch of seven-year-old kids, um, and it was terrifying, uh, but... <laughs> Still, I like the idea of being able to have a social experience in a game, and I think VR kind of adds to that. And having a game that's a little bit more, uh, I guess, I don't want to say hardcore, but like something that's a little bit more like in-depth, I guess, as opposed to something like Rec Room, I feel like it's that'll a gamey change. Game. Yeah, it, it's more of a gamey game, and it'll change kind of the tone and the atmosphere of those social interactions, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this one, honestly, is the one that I think I'm most excited for personally, because I think I think it just looks like a lot of fun, um, and I'm always down for an opportunity to make some, some new friends and yeah, I'm to curious kill monsters a, together. I'm curious if it'll be a free-to-play kind of deal, and um, then, you know, you pay for cosmetics and whatnot. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. They do mention that you can customize your classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, those kinds of things. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That would be cool if it's free to play. If it's free to play, I'm in day one. Uh, But yeah, so also, uh, the game, uh, I Expect You to Die 2 
The Spy and the Liar was okay. announced. This is the sequel to I, I Expect You to Die, uh, which was a sort of like comical spy spoof game in mm-hmm. VR. Pretty popular on the PlayStation VR, actually. It's another one that has been consistently in the top downloads list. So it's one of those things where there's a sort of scripted sequence, and there's like a certain... Uh, like, if there's a projectile, for example, you have to know to block it at a certain time, and how you choose to do that is different. Like, you can do it however you want, but that scripted sequence still happens, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay, that makes So, like... Um, an illusion of choice kind of deal. Well, I mean, the way that you solve... Like, each each mission is like a puzzle, okay. and you have to figure out a way to survive the entire thing. And the way that you survive it can be different. Like, your solutions can be different, but the series of events are the same. So, like, an example is there will always be a helicopter that flies up and shoots you through the window. And how you survive that situation can be different. So you can duck and hide under the desk... Okay. Or you can grab a thing and block the bullets, or you can somehow blow up the hel- Like, there's all kinds of different things, but no matter what, the helicopter's going to fly up and shoot through the window at a specific time. So it's like one of those things. Okay, okay, uh, I'm following. But, uh, yeah, I Expect You to Die 2, The Spy and the Liar, is a continuation of that. It's basically the same kind of thing, but just different scenarios, more options, all of that. Uh, I watched a playthrough of this game, actually. Mm. Uh, the first one, not the second one, obviously. And it looked fun, but it's one of those things where, like, once you know everything that's going to happen, and, like, once you figure it out, or once you see somebody do it, mm-hmm. I feel like it's less exciting. So I wonder if there's going to be more, I guess, diversity to the things that happen in this one. Uh, but I don't think that the um, the post really dives into that. It just seems like it's going to be more of the same. Uh, but one thing that I do like about this game, well, I guess this series, is it has a really silly sense of humor. Like, it's one of those, like, spy-type things or, like, you know, espionage kind of things. But it's, like, really ridiculous. And, like, all of the, the like, agents or, like, the people who talk to you over the intercom, they, like, mess up all the time. And it's, like, stuff like that. Okay. So... It's fun. All right. That kind of thing. Hmm. But yeah, so the sequel to that game was announced. So that's more of that. Uh, But these next two games, these ones I'm actually pretty excited about. Uh, Actually, this one, I think, is right up there with Zenith in terms of how excited I am for it. Uh, But the PSVR action-adventure game, Fract, was announced. Okay, okay. And Fract is just a balls-to-the-wall action game designed specifically for PlayStation Move controllers. So, uh, not the aim controller, but two Move controllers. Okay. But the way that you play this game and the way that you move around uh, is very, like, tactile. Uh, Very, like, grab things and do things. There's a a huge sense of, like, speed and movement in this game. Uh, You, like, seamlessly go from uh, traversal to combat... And it's all free-ranging. They advertise that there are no scripted cutscenes at all in this game. You are always playing, you are always moving, you are always choosing how you're going to uh, like assess each situation and get through them. Uh, in the little in the trailer and the little animated 
gifs or gifs or whatever mm-hmm. on the blog post it shows uh moments of like skiing and running uh ducking and covering and stuff like that um and then they go into some specific uh features that i think are kind of interesting so i'm just going to read them uh but they say uh this is unashamedly a true vr game only possible with playstation move controllers Climbing, ziplining, reloading, and in-world interactions are all driven one-to-one by the player's hands. Uh, So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Something such as skiing requires you to physically lean to steer and control. As with the rest of the game, it is integrated with the combat. Uh, They are going to be showing more gameplay within the next coming weeks, so that's cool. Uh, They have nicknamed the combat Run and Cover, Gunplay because it mashes run and gun action with innovative one to one grabbable cover system to create an all new VR only combat style. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that they designed each shooting arena uh, with a sense of verticality uh, to capitalize on the VR's 360 degree potential. Uh, it seems like they're basically just doing a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And to me, this game looks like Blood and Truth on steroids in terms of how it plays and blood and truth was uh relatively scripted where you would like teleport to certain points and then sometimes whenever there was like movement it would just be kind of on rails Mm -hmm. and you would react that way but this is completely not on rails with free movement uh, but it looks just as if not more bombastic and over the top as blood and truth was so i think it looks pretty exciting Honestly, yeah. it, it looks really cool. I'm excited for it. Um, it is getting PS5 enhancements, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, nothing crazy, just improved frame rates and loading times. Um, so that will be cool. Um, they do ascertain that PS4 and PS4 Pro versions of the game run totally fine and smoothly. Uh, so there's that. Uh, it's neat. I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes. And I've noticed... Do any of these games that they announced, do they have firm release dates, or are they all saying just, like, summer of 2021, sometime this year, blah, 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 blah? So far, they all just say 2021. Right. At least as far as I know. Okay. There's no release dates. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just... I noticed that. I'm like, I don't think anything got a firm release date. However... Which is totally fine. Every single blog post does say that they're going to be releasing more trailers in the coming weeks, showing more gameplay and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably end up getting release dates Shortly. with those. Yeah, I, 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 I would, would imagine assume. so. Especially if they're saying 2021 this year. Um, they're going to have to start showing some things here soon because you don't want it to lean into the holiday season where these games would probably fall under the radar. Well, maybe not Doom, but everything else. Um, and we're you know we're in March, so summer's right around the corner. Yeah. So. Well, I think Frack looks awesome. Uh, I think Zenith looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one more game that was announced. It's true. Uh, so this is a game called Song in the Smoke. So- Song in the Smoke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is a survival game, uh, but it's a VR survival game, so you can expect a lot of in-your-face visceral stuff. Um, it looks like a sort of... Um, uh, what's the word? Not historical. It looks like it takes place in the past. Like, caveman? I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a club made out of a rock and some stick here. About to smash a lion in the face in this screenshot. Uh, you've got 
There's like bow and arrow stuff yeah. like that. Uh, there's some more like the savage times, older kind of animals and creatures. Those are your enemies. Yeah, pre- prehistoric, primal. That's primal. the word. Yes. God. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it's sort of like a primal survival kind of game. Primal survival. Uh, but it seems this one actually seems pretty cool too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe I'm more excited for these games than I thought. Uh, so it has a crafting system where you have to put things together using your hands, a very tactile VR kind of thing. Uh, there's combat. Uh, the enemies can like sneak up on you. They're like animals, and it, it kind of hints at some supernatural stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can kind of sneak up on you, and you like can beat their face in with a club, uh, shoot them with arrows. Uh, it all seems like very intense and in your face. Um, they also mention the idea of like making a camp so that you can survive the night. How um, enemies are a little bit more aggressive at nighttime. Uh, you can. Uh, be like stalked through the night so you want to like build a fire and like be safe that kind of thing uh pretty interesting i feel like the the way that they're handling the moment to moment gameplay with this is pretty cool uh survival genre is not necessarily one that i'm particularly interested in mostly because those games tend to be pretty difficult and unforgiving but I wonder if it would be a little bit more accessible in VR just because you're doing the things. Because most of the time, my issues with survival games is sort of how they seem to like not make as much sense. There's like weird inventory systems and you combine items that don't make any goddamn sense. And they create this thing that you need. Yeah, yeah. it's like just stuff that, that uh, you have to learn about the world that doesn't make intuitive sense immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of fall off of a lot of survival games pretty quickly. I had that problem with um, uh, Don't Starve. Uh, yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck any of this stuff is. I don't understand this world. But I wonder if this game, because it seems like it's rooted in something a little bit more typical, like the real world. Yeah. Um, and all of the things are more tactile. Like, I don't have to figure out what button shoots the bow. I just you know, knock the arrow and shoot the bow. Uh, so I wonder if this would make the survival genre more accessible for somebody like me. That And I feel like that blend of survival and action, it, it's very loose, you know what I mean? Like the term survival game. So, I mean, the term survival has been used in Resident Evil for, you know, how long? But then mm-hmm. it's like, it's survival in the ask of like, the resources are limited. It's going to be hard for you to find certain things. So in a game like this, just seeing what uh, the screenshots are providing here, I, I wonder how much it's like of it literal survival. Yeah, and I think it's like literal survival, as in like you're in a you know a primal savage land, and you're more likely a caveman of some sort, shooting bows and arrows, and clubbing lines in the face. To where I'm like, I don't think it's necessarily like survival. Oh, and it's it'll be hard for you to find certain resources. Uh, I don't think it'll get as in depth or complicated as a typical like like Don't Starve. Or um, uh, even like Far Cry games, like where or RPGs where you're controlling and managing inventory and you're going on quests to make sure you're not running out of this, but then also making sure you're getting to like some kind of shelter before dark. Mm-hmm. I think this is very much just a matter of you're out here, resources are limited, just do what you got to do, do your thing. Yeah, yeah. That's actually a thing that I really like about a lot of VR games, and not all of them get it right, but I like the sort of new 
the opportunity to look at user interface in a different way, mm -hmm. just because it's more hands-on and because you have so much more space instead of just a TV screen, it's literally all around you. Yeah. Uh, and some VR games, I think, do a really good job, and some don't do as good of a job. Fair. Uh, and when it comes to user interface and specifically inventory management, I'm curious how this game is going to handle it, uh, because I feel like that's oftentimes the kind of the deciding factor as to mm -hmm. whether or not I personally am going to enjoy a survival game is how obnoxious it is to try to survive and whether or not it's my fault that I died or trying to fight with the game to figure out what the fuck. That, and then also, I think another thing, and this is games in general, honestly, is how many games do you collect so many, especially RPGs, you collect all these fucking items, right? And you're like, all right, well, how important is this? Is this something I'm selling just because I need to sell it and it earns me money? Is this something I'm going to need for a side quest? Is this something I'm going to use to make materials out of? Like, what is it? And they don't tell you. And you're yeah. like, well, I never fucking used it this far. I might as well just get rid of it. And then you do that, and then you speak to that one fucking person that's like, oh, well, I need this thing. You're like, god damn it. I need it. a million of these things that you just sold. <laughs> it's like, god damn it. So then, but at the same time, you need to make space, and you know you use all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, ugh. Yeah, so those are all the all the games in the VR spotlight. Mm -hmm. uh, nice range. We've got some some shooters, some actiony stuff. We have an MMO in there. We have a survival game. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good stuff here. I hope we see more of this. I PlayStation just needs to get some kind of a routine or system because mm -hmm. you know, the PSVR spotlight. This is the return of it. Uh, we didn't know it was going away. It just kind of happened. The uh, state of play, same deal. It was done in a different fashion for the last two or three, and we got the first proper one, you know, two weeks ago. Um, and I think they're just seeing the trend here. I think they're getting it. I think we will can we will see them like properly curate news and communicate with uh, their fans going forward. Um, and I think. Now that they have a focus as to what they want to capitalize on with PlayStation 5, how they're handling PlayStation 4, and then their continued support of VR, I think this is a good sign of things to come. I certainly hope so. I think these games look cool, but the only thing is I don't know if they're necessarily exciting to anybody outside of the pre-existing mm -hmm. VR audience. Um, and I, I think that's fine, you know, because you're going to have... You don't want to get all these big VR console sellers, right? And then in two years, drop the new one. When everyone's already like, I just bought a VR, and now you're telling me there's a new one. And then on top of it, PlayStation 5 did just come out. Maybe they're not too worried about moving VR units right now. They want to get people... They want to get PS5 in people's hands. They're putting out these VR games, like I said before, mm -hmm. just so people are aware, like, hey, VR is still on our forefront of our minds here. Like, it's still a focus. I just wonder, I also wonder how much PlayStation had to do with these games existing. Because it seems like most of them, if not all of them, are multi-platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see this as being part of a necessarily a PlayStation strategy. So I feel like this is really just them kind of lumping a lot of VR news into one thing. Well, that's just fine, um, though. And which is fine, yes. Uh, but I... Because, I mean, so Fract, for example. Fract is developed specifically for PlayStation VR. Um, 
and while maybe none of these games, or maybe some of the games, maybe all the games end up being like they were supported and created because PlayStation said we want to get your games on our platform. That, but that's not the point. The point of this is to let people know in general that PlayStation does not forget. Who cares if it's third party or first party or whatever? Mm-hmm. We they just need to know like these VR games could have come out on PC, right? But because PlayStation didn't talk about it, it looks as if PlayStation doesn't care about VR. This is them saying we still care, and it's still a focus. I'm just now now because of the announcement of the next generation VR headset, mm-hmm. I'm like primed to think about that. To think about, okay, the far future of PlayStation VR, what's that going to look like? And then for them to take me back to this, and for it to be kind of like, that's cool, but like... Well, that's why you don't sell... This is why they're not system sellers, right? Because you yourself already own this first generation PlayStation VR headset. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that you understand that, hey, there's still games coming out for that hardware you already own. But at the same time, we want you to let we want to let you know because you know these games are going to work on PlayStation Five, and they will more than likely work in this next generation of hardware. Why should you stop getting VR games for that headset that may come in two years? Well, that's the thing, though. I I am not convinced that PlayStation is going is giving VR the support that it needs. Just because these six games exist and most of them are multi-platform, that just means that a publisher decided to bring it to PlayStation VR. And that's true. But that doesn't mean that PlayStation is invested in VR. Yeah, they're developing a next-generation VR headset, but Mm -hmm. that's not for this year. And that's fine, right? That's maybe not even for next year. They don't have to be necessarily invested. The problem is... The thing thing that would make me have faith in PlayStation and their support of VR Mm -hmm. is if they create exclusive games with some of their flagship studios okay maybe tied in with some important uh ip some important franchises um which takes me to a little tidbit um there is a massive rumor that has some weight that there is a vr game in development in partnership with gorilla studios Mm -hmm. for horizon a Horizon VR game. So that's a big rising, uh, a big rising, substantiated rumor on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, uh, I think, a handful of years ago, like one or two years ago, there were uh, job listings for uh, like a virtual reality type of thing. Yeah. Um, using a flagship PlayStation Studio. And using like basically taking a pre-existing franchise and moving it into VR, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now with the next generation VR headset, saying that it's in development, I'm wondering if they're going to come right out the gate and be like, "Here's Horizon VR," or "Here's God of War VR." Mm-hmm. Can you imagine throwing the axe and catching it in VR? That would be cool. But so to your point, right? Like these are big flagship existing IP games making their way. To VR, do you want allegedly? To, allegedly, do you want to do that at the end of its life cycle when you've already said you got this next generation thing coming out? Well, that's the thing. That's why I think they announced it all prematurely. I think that considering that they made that announcement and then there's these, it's kind of like I would rather forget about it and then be reminded of it when there's this amazing new interesting thing. Because now mm-hmm. they have to keep me excited. Until it comes out. True. Whereas I wouldn't have had to sustain that momentum if they would have just kept their mouth shut. <laughs> I honestly feel like they did it to distract from some other thing. Like the delay of 
Gran Turismo or... And I don't even necessarily if that's the case because I, I disagree with that. Let's look at the Vita, right? The Vita when it first launched. How fucking great was that launch lineup, right? Phenomenal. Right. How many of those games, how many Vita games did you see came from existing first party IP? Most of them. Exactly. And then what fucking happened to the Vita? It didn't get long-term support. But exactly. also, I think that it didn't meet its sales goals. And, that, and that's the, that's the point, I think that's right? why. So and that's the point. So why would you want to create these big, massive things? Like, they're not going to keep anyone excited for the current PSVR. It's not going to happen. So, But at the same time, you don't want them to think, because they've done it multiple times before, you don't want to say, like, oh, we care about this, we care about this, we care about this, and then it fall off because nothing comes out for it. The only way you do that is regardless if it's small games, big games, medium games, whatever, you've got to say there's something coming to the current hardware because otherwise you're going to tell people we don't give a shit and we'll talk about it again in three years, which you can't do that. That's not what Nintendo does. What Nintendo does is they announce a new thing and they immediately drop support of previous hardware. Well, we're not talking about Nintendo, though. I know. I'm just saying there's <laughs> there's like other strategies as well. They have 3DS a lot. And... Uh, there, there's other strategies as well. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I, I sort of lost my train of thought. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, Rachel. Um, I I just think that they're, they're putting themselves in a position where now uh, they have to trail people along, and that leads to, I think, more disappointment. They're not cutting off a limb. Uh, they are letting it fester, and letting it rot and then fall off. And with the Vita, they kind of cut off a limb when it comes to first-party support. Oh, for sure. Um, the Vita is still alive, but that's all entirely thanks to third-party support. But how little third-party support is this game getting? It's Even with the Vita, yeah, well, there's still yeah, games but coming. It, but I don't want to talk about whether or not the Vita is still alive. Because, I mean, there are still games coming out for the Vita. That's what right. I mean. There's still games being released for the Vita. However, not from PlayStation. That's the thing. But even um, then, so but, if PlayStation were to put out an article today right talking about vita games coming that they didn't support like they're not their games but came would you look at that the everyday consumer looking at that think oh well, playstation sure they're not putting out vita games but they're still like making it noticeable they're still talking about it that at least keeps it fresh in our brains yeah playstation's not even talking about the vita but that's what i'm saying they're at least still talking about vr that's what they're trying to do they don't want it to seem yeah. like they're doing the vita situation where they just stop talking about it They've got to continue to talk about it, regardless if it's going to trail along or not. Because if they stop talking about it, no one's going to care. They stop talking about 3D, no one cared about 3D. They stop talking about the Vita, no one cared about the Vita. It died. I just think it's so <laughs> weird that they would be like, there's a new headset coming out in the future. Here's stuff for the old thing. Because, I mean, what like, else I, are you I just to think do? that that's weird. I mean, did they not do that with the PlayStation 5? You had Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part 2, two of the biggest games that come out in the PS4 right before their PlayStation 5 came out. Yeah, but those... They could have waited literally three months to and then put that game out on the PS5. I mean, I suppose you're right. They've got to they've got to keep the conversation going. It's about the conversation. It's not about moving headsets. It's not about keeping you excited. It's about making sure that they let you know, hey, we've got stuff working. Here's some stuff to tide you over in the meantime. Because the moment they stop, it's it seems like PlayStation does their PlayStation thing. Where they're like, oh, it's not going anywhere. Fuck it, kill it. I guess so, but I don't think any of this is going to keep the conversation going beyond 
it this right here. And that doesn't. And that's fine though, right? But that's why you have. If they're talking about the return of the PSVR spotlight, it's the return. So who's to say there's not going to be more coming? So they keep at least the conversation. At least you know that they're talking about it. That they are talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's not about us talking about it. It's that PlayStation themselves, regardless of if people are listening or not, are bringing up VR in conversations. Because for the longest time, like 2020, they weren't. Which is why they announced this new generation. Other than Iron Man. Other than Iron Man, and that was it. But even now, like, right, the PS5, the VR conversation was very negative because it made no fucking sense. So, and that makes it seem like, oh, we don't care about VR, we're just doing it because we know people have it. Right? So, what do you do to save that? Besides saying, like, hey... We haven't given up on it. We know you guys want it. It's coming. It's going to take some time. We just want to let you know it's coming. It's the same thing with the PlayStation 5. How long did it take them to reveal the console itself other and talk about it? Like They talked about it for who knows how long. I think that the, game's coming. I think the PlayStation 5, though, is a bit of a different scenario because we were True. in a weird position. All of the PlayStation 5 rollout and the launch... Even to now, yeah. I mean, this is this is a position that I don't think the gaming industry has ever been in. Very so true. Uh, I feel like that's a a different kind of comparison. I think that that's a false equivalency. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm saying the comp- it's just a matter of like the point of the PS5. Granted, it is a much you're talking about a home console compared compared to talking about for what it is an accessory to the home console mm-hmm. with VR. It's You're a, right. a niche within a niche. Exactly. So, but the thing, the, matter, the fact of the matter was, is that they still had to talk about it, right? They still had to say it. Uh, what was it? It was, it was a Sega console. It wasn't the Dreamcast. It may have been the Mega Drive, where Sega literally didn't talk about the next gen con- their next gen console. They just went, announced went on it, stage, released announced it. it, and released it within twenty four fucking hours, yeah. and it killed it. You've got to talk about what well, you're going to Also, arguably. There was other there's things. There's a lot of other factors. But, that, that but that's killed. true. But that was the biggest uh, one. That's the but, one that gets talked about. You've got to keep the conversation going if you want people to buy. You can't just stop talking about it and hope, let's bring it up in a few years and see if people care. Because you're already left a bad taste in their mouths. I think the issue, though, is that there's not really anything to buy. And that's fine. They're not trying to move units. They're talking about some smaller games for the people like you and I who already have a headset. To, like, hey, here's some stuff. It's coming. They're not going to worry about moving head headsets until this next piece of hardware comes out because it makes no sense to now start selling a brand new home console and then rush out the gate with that new headset because no one, like, fuck, it's hard enough to find a PS5 and then you're going to tell your consumers, oh, by the way, in a few months, within this year, next year, you got to buy this new headset too? That's a shot in the foot. You've got to give some time to breathe. Yeah. But I mean, if I buy all these games, then I won't have money for a new headset. Well, that's why they're small. It's like you're only spinning. Maybe I imagine these games don't get more than forty bucks, if that. And I might be the only game on that list I see that getting that high. Doom. Honestly, because I think Fract. I think Doom's going to be a budget title. It's a remake. It's 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 a remake, and it's built from ground up. But it's Doom. Wasn't Doom VFR like twenty bucks? I don't want to say it was either thirty or forty, and then it went down to twenty bucks because it was. Bethesda put out that and Skyrim VR relatively close to each other. I hope Zenith is free to play. I feel like Zenith will be. I don't see most. I see. I mean, I mean. Let's think. Iron Man VR was forty bucks, right? And then it's routinely on sale nowadays. Um, so I think, I think Zenith will be free to play with some online transactions. 
Uh, I mean, it's an MMO. Uh, I think Fract. Fract might be thirty bucks. I could see that being a thirty dollars game. I can see Fract being full price. Just I'm I'm comparing Fract a lot to Blood, Blood and Truth. Truth. Yeah. Uh, which I think Blood and Truth was full price. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, this is all speculation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna. Uh, in the very least, uh, you can count on us to keep the conversation for PlayStation VR alive, um, even if it's just barely crawling. Um, you can also count on us to leave the conversation of the PlayStation Vita alive, even if that is decomposing um, in the process of slowly clawing its way to inevitable demise. Um, and you can count on at least me to keep the conversation of PlayStation Home alive, even though... Uh, I was pretty much dead on arrival. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for dying conversations and for more um, on PlayStation, you can always tune into Dual Senses, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and on mtfproductions.com, and on YouTube, eventually, as videos. I'm sorry I've been behind. <laughs> I've been an emotional mess. Uh, maybe I'll get into that in the future. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, if you like any of this, or if you would like to help stabilize my mental state uh, by donating <laughs> to the show <laughs> you can visit www.mtfproductions.com slash donate anything helps um, you can donate as little as a dollar as much as 7 million um, and that'll help us tremendously actually if you gave us 7 million um, but yeah and uh, that'll help us with things like better equipment um, higher quality audio um, actual video which would be nice you can see our beautiful faces uh, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Uh, if you have a moment, feel free to either subscribe or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Maybe share us with a friend that you love or a friend that you hate. Uh, just share us with anyone. But yeah, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Love, love, love. Okay, bye.